0: So I actually know that people are listening. Which so makes me a little bit apprehensive on what to say. Want to have some nice little cold intro, or a funny little story, or anecdote, or joke. Yeah, got none of that today. was thinking about here though, there is an Adam Lambert song. I not know, that seems a little bit random. The title of the song is, What Do You Want From Me? Eh, it's, it's sufficient. It's kind of good when you're a little bit angsty, it's got a catchy tune. I do kind of like the chorus, at least musically. It's a little piney. It's good for when you're in a mood. But, it's an interesting question. What do you want from me? You can hear somebody screaming that into the, you know, gray blue yonder. And I don't really know where to go. So I guess, hard shift. This is about the will of God. You know, what do you want from me? Or actually, in Christian terms, it's what do you want for me? Hmm. What's my purpose in life? What do you want me to do? All right. So, the way that this started off with Scripture, actually, is, let's go to 2 Timothy 3.16. There is more than just one 3.16 in the Bible. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable, dot, 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 for training in righteousness. Interestingly enough, that this is all good for the man of God, as that reference in Timothy mentions. Well, what's a man of God? Normally people would say, well, it's everybody, it's all Christians, that's not untrue. Not untrue. But let's start with a little bit of context. Man of God is Paul's nod. Remember, Paul, a Jew, a Pharisee. It's a nod to Old Testament references of actual messengers of God. Sometimes referred to Moses, also used for angels, sometimes unnamed prophets, Samuel himself. These were men of God. And scripture is breathed out and good for training them so that they be perfect for every good work. Interesting word, perfect, there. It is actually not the same word used in Matthew when he says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. That word is a version of telos, which is a Greek word meaning, you know, brought to full fruition or maturity. The word here is artios, related to the Latin ars artis. Ars artis actually probably comes from it, which is where we get the English word art, which is skill. So it's actually so that the man of God may be well-skilled, aptly trained, as is necessary for any good undertaking. And Timothy's individual undertaking was to preach the word. That's the next paragraph in Paul's letter to Timothy. But what's yours? Oh no, existential crisis. My script doesn't seem as good now. So it's a question, what am I supposed to do with my life? Or from a Christian perspective, what's God's will for my life? That phrasing always makes me cringe. Hmm, angsty. Like the church, or rather, Christians, since it's all about me and my boy Jesus. Not actually about the collective church. But, what should I do with my life? It's like the individual would-be Christian is stuck in some 20th century teen angst. Timothy got a specific job, as did Jeremiah. But what's mine? What's yours? Well, that's easy. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. In other words, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for this is what it is to grow in sanctification. So, which is the leading day in and day out of a pure life. In case you want, those references are Philippians 2.12, maybe consider verse 13 as well, and 1 Thessalonians four three. I use the dictionary function on uh, uh, blueletterbible.org because I think it's best to actually know what words mean, such as sanctification or salvation, when I actually want to know what somebody is trying to say. So, backing up a little bit, what is God's will for my life? Easy. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. In other words, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for this is actually what it is to grow in sanctification. So, the commandments of God, which we are supposed to keep, are all to follow and have to do with living a pure life. Okay, so what's that? What must I do? Reminds us of this rich guy in one of the Gospels. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And these specifics here, buddy. Well, keep reading 1 Thessalonians 4, or just go to Exodus 20, which is the Ten Commandments. There's what leading a pure life looks like. Okay, that's great. But let me bring it back around. What am I supposed to do? Those are all don't, you know, defraud your brother, love the Lord your God, be cool to your parents, don't envy things, which are hard enough on their own, right? But, you know, those aren't really doing anything. I need to know what I need to do with my life, buddy. What can I do? What can I not do? Either specifics of what is actually sin, or, you know, what college am I supposed to go to? What job am I supposed to have? Is it okay to watch this or talk about that? Is it a sin to do this? Sorry, I went back to my script. Scripture doesn't really talk about these things. Well, yeah, it does. In every other aspect of life, other, yes, other, we'll get to the first thing in a little bit. In every other area of life, consider what is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, etc. This is Philippians 4, 8. If you don't know what any of these adjectives mean or if they apply to any given situation or activity, then look them up. And sit with them for a bit. Put life on pause and actually consider them. Read Psalm 27.4 if you need some guidance in that. But what about specific things? Join this team. Take this class. Date or marry this person. Go to school here. Move there. Etc. Pause. Now I have a certain audience in mind, I have no idea who's actually listening to this, what your age or demographic is, but I do have a certain audience in mind, what I interact with on most daily basis, and honestly, I'm not convinced that most of them, most of you, are actually angsty about this stuff. Or at least not in terms of God. If you're like most people, you go throughout life following interests and opportunities as they present themselves, and a number of these decisions boil down to a glorified eeny, meeny, miny, moe. or at least whatever makes sense to you at this time, given your own likes, dislikes, goals, and purposes. God doesn't really factor into the equation. Basically, what I'm trying to say is that most people of my generation who want to reach people for the gospel make assumptions about their audience that really just don't apply. Y'all aren't thinking about things the way that we assume you're thinking about them. You're not feeling things like shame or whatnot the way that we think you're thinking about them. Now, maybe some of you do, but I think a lot of you don't. Which is why a lot of the message falls flat. I wouldn't say on deaf ears, but flat. So, what if God did actually factor into the equation? He would tell you to talk to him about all these various things. You know, what are you supposed to do? Go here, go there, job this, marry that, say this, whatever. He would tell you to talk about him, talk to him about these things, and he will help and guide, and your mind and heart and soul, whatever, will be at peace come what may. Yes. But should I leave this job or not? Something a friend of mine wrestled with recently. I don't know. Step out on the water and find out. Can't live your life for you. No one can. Hmm. Here's an analogy. Imagine that you are a toddler who's walking around and you've got this, or there is a toddler, you've got this adult, be it a parent, whomever, who's standing over holding the hand's kid, the kid's hands. The kid is still learning to walk, so it's relatively stable, but not completely. Whenever the kid starts going, the kid's going to go wherever it is that the kid wants to go, whatever strikes him fancy. And if you think about it, most of the time, at least a lot of the time, the parent or the adult moves with him, guiding, stabilizing, but not correcting. Not at all. It's only when the adult knows that there's a very specific direction or destination that is objectively bad for this child. Or, they have intentionally chosen for this point in time another course or destination in which this child is supposed to walk that they actively start, you know, nudging, really guiding. I would wager that's what a lot of the Christian life is. So, whatever it is that you're supposed to do, job, marriage, school, whatever... Watch this show. That's between you and God. You have to exercise discernment. And that's what it actually is to walk on the water. The water's not particularly stable. And Jesus didn't necessarily tell Peter, step here, step there. Jesus said, keep your eye fixed on me. And if you take a step here and Jesus doesn't say anything, well, live your life. I'm not saying live your life without God. That's coming off badly, I hope you know what I'm trying to say, so I'm not going to belabor that point. If you don't, email me, we'll talk. But, what about some of those other specifics? The really anxious questions. Well, like I said, bring them to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And just work with Him. Make the decision. And move forward. And God will stay with you. He is the adult overhand. Trust that he will guide if he needs to. So, that's the will of God for your life. Don't suck at life. Pursue God. Keep his commandments. Walk on the water. And these other things will work themselves out. Somehow, either way, you will be a stable, flourishing person. Because that's actually the point. But then there's another question. What about these other events? Was it God's will that, and you can choose things like to have the Holocaust, or crash those planes into the towers, or struggle with same-sex attraction, or have significant identity issues, or whatever. Was it God's will that? When I was first going through this, I was like, I don't know. Then I was like, no, yeah, I do know. Because if I say, I don't know if it was God's will or not, that starts suggesting that there might be things that occur that are outside of God's will. As in, I don't know if he willed it or not, suggesting that he could have not willed it and it would have happened anyway. So I'm going to say the question isn't so much was it God's will or was it within God's sovereignty that certain things play out the way they did. We can actually take it as a given that it was. Whether or not he directed it or not, uh, that I don't know. Because the real question isn't was it God's will. The question we actually want to ask is, why? And that's usually where a lot of anger comes into play, if people think about God at all. And it's a lot easier for me to sit here in a first world country and talk about this. I'm not living in, you know, war-torn Afghanistan or extreme poverty in South Sudan or something else. Yeah, the real question is, why was this God's will? And I'm bringing it back around. I don't know. I am not going to consider things too great or marvelous for me. That would be Psalm 131, verse 1. Here's a trite Hobby Lobby verse. God works all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So here's a question before you start asking why was this God's will. Do you love God? Here's what that means. Do you reverence, esteem, value, favor, and bind yourself to him? This is more holistically than simply an emotion. I know you've heard that before, but it's true. And honestly, we have to start with the give a crap factor. Otherwise, the whole conversation is pointless for both of us. Do you love God? Is that actually where you are? And if so... then you have to believe that he will work out any particular situation or event for good for you because you love him and because you are called according to his purposes. Purposes which he has for you to do. I don't know what those are. You might not know what those are. A lot of the times the kid toddling around with the adult doesn't know where the kid is going even though the adult fully well does. God might be training you. I don't know. He might be putting something in your back pocket or in your quiver for later on in life. But whatever the undertakings are, like Timothy, you will be well-equipped for them. If you submit to the training and a discipline of God, come what may. And that's God's will for your life. Follow him. Love him. Learn to not suck at life. And whatever it is he has you do, Whether he simply permits you to do this or actively tells you to do that, you'll be good, mostly, oversimplified. All right, that's it for this one.